Hey, it is Carl here, and we have indeed made the switch from Nikto 2123 back to Ragged Coast. So from Monster of the Week and our hunters in the San Francisco, monster hunters in the San Francisco Bay Area, the dystopian future San Francisco Bay Area, we have now moved back to the realms um, into the middle of the town Iskdan, and we are with Claren and um, Crenshaw and Fence and Theraval, um, as well as Mouse Field Mouse and um, Masaki um, inside the temple in the center. And we are looking for Scarlet Antwerp and her minions who have usurped the, um, the throne from um, Claren and her family. And so we have episode 53 for you tonight, The Glowing Cacti. So you'll remember that when we last left the party, they had been... Um, battling some harpies in the middle of the, the temple, which is this sort of pyramid area in the center of Iskdan. And they were looking for um, Scarlet, who was supposedly in here. Um, and that is where we will start. Um, so enjoy the episode, and I will see you in an hour and a half at the end of it. All right, we are back for more D&D, Ragged Coast. I think we're on episode 53 tonight. Um, I'm Carl, I'll be DMing before we get into the fun and games and dice rolling. We will do some player and character introduction. Actually, you know what, instead of player, well, let's do the recap. And then um, we can do player and character introductions after the recap. And the reason I'm suggesting that is then as we do player and character introductions, we can roll for hit points because we leveled up last time. So I don't know, why don't we start off uh, with Janae? All right, super. Um, I'm Janae, I play Clarence Stilcloven, a fighter druid. Very excited to level up and yeah, we got more temple to explore. I'll pass it to Kevin. Awesome. Oh, that's right. So I realized I said we were going to do the recap oh. and then I called right on Janae. Let's roll hit points though for Clarence. Oh. So we do that. We'll go through and then we'll do the then we'll do the intro. That'll work just oh, as sure. well. No, not it's not you. It's entirely me. Okay, no, all good. Um Let's go ahead. I always need to look up how many, how much to roll. Oh, are you leveling in fighter or druid? I'm leveling in fighter. Ah, nice. Okay. It's a 10 spot. Um, so sorry, I'm just making sure I'm doing the right number of hit dice. Right, 1d10. Thank you. Um, you'd think after playing this a lot, I would remember these things, but I don't. Um, ooh, okay, that's a see well actually that wasn't so good 
two plus six plus um, six. Okay, that is advanced math. 14, 14 hit points. Ah, 14 more. Okay. So that is your max is 93. So that's take you to 107. Am I right? Digits, yes. Yeah. And oh, we'll just up your current hit points the same amount. So you're at 106 because I think you were down by one. Yeah. Okay. Great. And now let's right. pass to Kevin. I'll pass to Kevin now. Uh yes. Hi, my name is uh Kevin, I'll be playing Theraval Fantastical, a formerly 11, uh, level 10 uh, arcane, Aladrin Arcane Trickster, um, together with his Twig Blight Aspen uh, Kutcher. Uh, I'm really looking forward to just making it out of this dungeon alive, and uh, I don't know, I'll hopefully get it, making my way back to Ward to, uh, I don't know, get a zoo, you know, fingers crossed, just to, just to survive these upcoming fights. <laughs> Um, with, with that, I'd like to change, I'd like to level up in a new class, actually. Mm. Wow. Ooh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Would it be possible to, um, level up as a, um, uh, as a, uh, fighter or a cleric of, uh, the war domain? Oh, interesting choice. Uh, you want to explain i mean the choice is fine you could either do cleric level one or fighter level one um which you want to explain which one fits better for theraval or which one you're leaning towards yeah i'm, I'm feeling like uh after that last battle with raw <laughs> where i gained favor with raw that maybe i i i've changed faith or taken up faith from Loki <laughs> to Raw just to have my prayers answered and survive this <laughs> this upcoming fight with Scarlet Antwerp. <laughs> That's uh, kind of how I feel. Uh, all right. Well, right. so is that is that cleric rather than fighter? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe cleric. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. War domain to gain proficiency in heavy armor, bless abilities, and. Um, a bonus action attacks as a little that's optimizer. great uh speaking on behalf of the entire party of the uh monday nights uh i'm pleased and surprised that you have the wisdom to be a cleric so good oh, on you don't have wisdom that's <laughs> that's the catch of this Wait, how does this work then uh-huh <laughs> I know. Okay, yeah, let's take fighter instead. <laughs> I really want the archery fighting style too for right. attack into this last battle. Yeah, I think fighter probably fits more with the uh, with Theraval zoo keeping instincts than than cleric. Okay, um, and and I and I like the, the 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 contest between Loki and Ra for for your affections. I think if you're a cleric, you got to declare one way or another. As a fighter, you can be a, a, a Loki um, follower flirting with Ra or a Raing follower who occasionally, you know, has to slap the the Loki shoes on just for fun. Yeah, that sounds good. So let's. Let's let's level up as fighter, 
Okay, uh, gotcha. I'll gain strength and constitution proficiencies. And uh, I'm choosing the archery fighting style for plus two attacks with uh, a bow. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, yeah, that really fits well with, uh, with their fault. Do you want to roll hit points? Now you yeah. can finally get a big dice. So uh, it's a bit much bigger dice, I guess, with a D10. And I have zero constitution. So big roll. That's a three. <laughs> Oh, that's sort of a sad roll. You want to roll again? But if you I roll again, to. here's the risk, Kevin. If you roll again, if you get a one or a two, it sticks. Natural 10. Whoa. Oh, oh there, there you go. go. All right, nice. All right. I realized so I, after I did mine, I didn't say, I should have clarified because I was trying to decide as I level up what I'm going to do. And I, I guess I want to run by one thing by y'all, which is, Instead of doing a um, proficiency score addition, I was thinking of adopting a new feat instead. Um, Kevin and I were looking at feats. I was looking at the great weapon master feat. And I'm wondering if we have thoughts on that one, which is a little bit of like a gamble feat where um, basically what happens is like, if I like, I'm okay, if we're okay with me owning, because I'm thinking with the blade of the sun lord, right? I've got this like great weapon indeed. Um, and basically I can, um, before I make a melee attack, I can, um, take this minus five penalty, but if it hits, I get a plus 10 to the damage each time. Ooh. So it's a little bit of like a gamble, right? Cause you sort of have to take a penalty to hit, but if you do hit successfully, you get a pretty big reward with kind of like the momentum of your weapon to do greater damage so anyway that's what i was thinking about with my leveling up as well i think it's usually worth it unless the person who you're attacking has a very high armor class mm -hmm. and um people with better statistical powers than mine have uh created charts to figure out like exactly what that armor class is uh taking into account all of your uh pluses and such so I don't know what that would be, but but I think most of the time it makes sense to leave it on. And I do have some battle maneuvers that allow me to roll with advantage, in which case then it's extra worth it. Right. But um, Carl, would you allow Great Weapon Master to be used with the the Sword of the Sun Lord? Um, Except probably, yeah, I think yeah, that's the I weapon I'm like kind of using at this point. It has to be a heavy weapon. Oh, and it's uh it's a long sword. It is. If it doesn't apply, I have a backup plan. Which would I don't know. I, I I'm inclined just I mean, because the the blade of the Sun Lord is, you know, I mean it, it's become like a major narrative tool, you know, theme of the campaign for us, the acquisition of that I, I like the great weapon fighting style with it. Yeah. I, I am fine with you taking that feat. Great. All right. Now I can go someone else. I just wanted to make sure I ran that by the group before pursuing it with this level up. Also, uh, this feat allows you if you um, if you kill a creature with your great weapon, uh, then you can uh, strike again with a, a bonus action, as if you're like cleaving right through one foe, and the sword continues until it hits the next foe. Rad. Many, many things. 
for sure. Thank you. Nice. Lots of slices. Um, I don't know. DJ, you want to level up next? Sure. So uh, Crenshaw is also taking another class. And Crenshaw has been consistently practicing uh, with weapons. And um, Claren has been training him. So we've been asking Claren to to train us. And uh, so he is going to take a level of fighter Ooh, as well. Get, getting all all armored up here for the the battles. I appreciate the martial we need to get <laughs> We need hit points is what we need. But Crenshaw is not taking archery. He's got plenty of being a sniper as it is. Crenshaw is more of a um, defense and really just needs it for the whip. Which is his thing. So Crenshaw is uh, Crenshaw's weapon of choice is a whip. Oh, interesting. And we will roll for hit points. That is a nine. Okay. Wow. We will take it. And with a plus two constitution, that is an 11. So 46. And do DJ somewhere keep written down um, whatever your hit point total would you know what i mean like this hit points and then the mummy because you had a base mm -hmm. with the before the mummy rot yep in case I, you know what i mean it, like if I that ever, if that effect ever disappears which i never wanted to because i'm the dm but just saying so we're not trying uh -huh. to be like oh my god where were yeah mm -hmm. so if you'll keep that number and then also just hit points from level ups that happen after that Mm -hmm. Okay, 30, so then you're at 40 currently and a max of 46? Yes. Nice. And I was thinking when you said that there was, I wanted to do just a little bit more about the, the curse of the mummy and the mummy rot. Um, and we may play with this a little bit during the game, but part of the curse or the way that I'm seeing this like interact with Crenshaw mm -hmm. is you're starting to get whispers from whoever the mummy was like they're like that curse and the rot that's happening is adding to the concophony that is in Crenshaw's head. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do any more about it but like there's another whisper in there at this point and so I'll, I'll leave it at that we'll see it could be helpful could be harmful but Crenshaw has yet another voice in his head awesome yeah, yeah. there's definitely Crenshaw's twitching a little bit more uh snapping at shadows more often yeah, and, and not feeling all that great. All right, I guess we got um, 
Andy with our our next intro, and then I got two NPCs to introduce here. Excellent. My name is Andy, and I'm playing Fence the Monk. Fence is an 11th level monk, and he's going to stick with uh, monkhood for a couple reasons. Uh, one is that his martial arts die has moved at 11th level from a D6 to a D8. And this means that uh, when he's punching and kicking, he's that much more powerful. But this also um, applies to the healing that he does, uh, which is now a, a D8 plus modifiers. Also at 11th level, as a Hand of Mercy monk, uh, he's able to do uh, a flurry of blows towards his friends, and each of the two blows uh, can heal that friend without a, an additional key point required for the healing, just a key point for uh, the blows. This is likewise true for his Hand of Harm, uh, if he uses his flurry of blows against an opponent, uh, he can uh, poison that opponent in addition to uh, smacking it with a, a karate chop, at which point the opponent would have to make a constitution saving throw against being uh, poisoned for a round. So ah, he's looking okay. forward to uh, using these new uh, skills in the dojo known as uh, this crypt that we've entered. Uh, and I will roll up a hit die. Oh, that is a, uh, a six out of eight. And plus two constitution adds eight hit points to our friend Fence. So eight, so 88. That's right. Nice, very good. Um, all right. Uh, so before recap, let's see, we should do Mouse Field Mouse and Masaki. Um, and Mouse Field Mouse is a Druid Wizard. I'm going to have her level up in Wizard. I know her natural inclination is Druidness, but it seems to me that there's been more sort of book learning, spell learning. So it seems like a sixth level wizard. Um, that is only a two for hit points and she's got one plus constitution. So that is only three, but I think she's gonna have to just live with that. And then there's the little halfling rogue NPC who's just joined you, Masaki and I guess I'm debating whether Masaki, like usually a character who was only level five adventuring with characters who were level 10, it wouldn't surprise me if she leveled up two levels. But I'm also thinking she sort of joined you. I mean, she's been here for the combat, but not the... Um, you know, all the town exploration and everything. I'm going to have Masaki just level up once and level up in Rogue. Ooh, and that is eight. So that brings her up to a nice 
30 are currently 24. And I and think with that, yeah, go ahead. Um, is she uh, all levels in Rogue or is she something else as well? Uh, four in Rogue and two in Wizard. Okay, great. Thank you. And I think with that, Andy, you want to read the recap? Tell us what the heck we did last time? Absolutely. A recap of episode 52, The Harpies and the Gargoyles. Fence draws his bowstring back, and an arrow flies between the columns that support the 40-foot-high ceiling in this enormous room. Fence runs back towards the party near the entrance of the room. His arrow strikes the harpy among the entwined arms of the cacti where she is perched. She scratches a horrible sound that somehow becomes operatic and beautiful and charms everyone else in the party except Theraval. Gargoyles descend from their pedestals, attack Fence, and attempt to pick up charmed Crenshaw and Masaki. Theraval realizes it's up to him, as everyone else moves out from their protected spots in the tunnel and into the room where the gargoyles await to scope them up and bring them to the harpy. He aims, carefully, as only an elven archer can aim, and the arrow flies true. The harpy is slain. Her last words are a cry in a voice that Claren recognizes, her cousin Annie Glasgow. The party routes the remaining gargoyles, but three other harpies flee the room, screaming and moaning about how they killed Annie. They're so cruel. Claren, at least, has a bad feeling about this. The harpies disappear down the tunnel to the west. The four gargoyles are strewn about the room and the bioluminescent cacti along the edges of the room and the bioluminescent stream in the center glow eerily in the now quiet room. The party levels up. All right, I think that brings us to the current moment. I have one question yeah. um, that didn't come up in the recap. I'm wondering if one of the harpies is still afflicted by uh, fairy fire and uh, therefore is easier to track and if we catch up with her, easier to hit with attacks. Um, no, because the, um, harpy that was hit with fairy fire, um, is the one that was slain. Notice the, um, or the second one that was slain and oh, okay. see the token over to the left, the one that has sort of the, um, the purple button on it. Excellent. So, yeah. So unfortunately, no, they have disappeared over here to the west into down the tunnel that is mostly shadows for you all at this point in time. All right, great, thank you. Yeah, so what would you all like to do? It seems to me we need to either search for treasure or chase immediately after uh, the harpies and whatever sorts of dangers await us. What do you all think? I think search the room personally. All right. Um, That'd be my impulse as well. I don't know if there's 
as as hungry as Claren is to get some more action, keep you know stop biting these small fries and get to to the main course. Um, we could find some cool stuff in here. Um, excellent. I think uh, one of us should uh keep an eye on uh the hallway uh that uh where our opponents just escaped and fence would be happy to do that if the rest of you want to uh look around he's also the fastest and so he can uh get to and away from danger the quickest yeah, I think I would be interested in investigating the room just because I'm kind of curious to see if we can find any clues about where Scarlet is in the temple. She has changed so much since uh, my family was in power. I'm a little disoriented and kind of would like to get a little bit of grounding, but I'm seeing around there. Right. We have a little break in the action. All right. I, move, oh, I move fence. Sorry, I move fence uh, to the West. And I don't know if he's going to be able to see anymore, but he's standing there spear in hand, um, getting ready to alert everyone else if anyone comes back this direction. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So, and everyone feel, please feel free to move your tokens around um, where you want to go. There's not, you know, any immediate pressure from combat. I will, Andy, where you've moved fence over there in the far western part of the room, the one additional thing that you can see there is um, up in the north of that hallway, there is another alcove, and it has a, another one of the cacti. Remember, these are the Saguario cacti, but instead of just like standing up with like, you know, a head and sort of two arms, there's multiple arms and they all sort of twine around each other, sort of like a fig tree or even more so where they're like intertwined with each other. Um, so that's, you do see that. And those that's where the different harpies were, were nesting, were one in each of of these alcoves um, that had cacti in them. Um, it looks like Crenshaw has gone to the west and is in about the same spot, maybe five, 10 feet away from where, where Fence is, looking down that western hall. And um, same thing, part of the problem with the visibility down here is that mm -hmm. there's this pillar here, which sort of blocks the angle of seeing anything else in that hallway or room or whatever else might be down this direction. Um, DJ, did you want to do anything else or with Crenshaw moving over that mm -hmm. direction? I did. I wanted to ask first, is this area here lit at all? No, it is. Well, it's lit by, remember, the cacti have bioluminescence. So, right. yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I would say that big cacti up there, um, you know, it's certainly not like a single torch, but the whole thing being like a 30 foot tall cactus um, is that's bioluminous um, is enough to light up this 10 foot of the hallway. Okay, so uh, that's unfortunate, but Crenshaw moves up to here and casts um, Minor Illusion mm -hmm. in this 
in this doorway in front of him. So it looks like a box has like a, a crate has been piled five feet high here. Okay. And then he sticks his hand through it so he doesn't believe it anymore. Okay. But anybody coming at him will see the crate and not him. Okay. And you're you're ducking down under like yeah. having cover from that five foot exactly. crate that's sitting. Exactly. There. Okay. Excellent. Nice. Makes sense. Um, Janae, I see Claren has moved, started to the southwest corner of the room, is looking maybe at the, the cacti that's in the, the western alcove or looking down and seeing what Theraval is doing in the, the cactus in the southern alcove. Yeah, I thought about, I was debating where to go, but I kind of think Claren, with her juridic senses, was interested in exploring and understanding these cacti a little better and seeing what what properties they have. So I was wondering, I would like to sort of roll, I think a nature check to see if I recognize anything about these in particular. Sure, are you doing that standing away? Cause I mean, it looks to me like you're 15 feet away from, from both cacti. Oh, I'll get closer to this one. This, I guess that's the Southwest one, so. Yeah, that's the one sort of in the, the Western wall. Yeah, go ahead and do a nature check. And I think your buddy Mouse Field Mouse is probably tagging along with you for for that her her druid senses are also intrigued by these things. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, that is a sorry, I gotta add my modifier here. Uh 17. Okay. Um yeah, so what do I don't know, ask me some questions. I'm happy to give give answers as you're you're thinking about these things. Um do I see anything on the cacti to suggest that either it's uh, thorns, little prickles, or anything about the sort of cactus has any kind of magical properties to it that would be worth siphoning off or taking with us? Mm. Um, well, so, I mean, certainly the, the cactus glowing, if not being a, a magical property, is, is a valuable property. Um, you have with the 17, and this is both your druid and in some ways your fighter sense of things, like the these thorns are a good two, two and a half, three inches long. And something occurs to you, like, I mean, if you were making a dart or arrow tips out of these, like they could be made into weapons. Granted, you you know from this cactus, like like a cactus or like a like a aloe vera plant, like they store water. In this case, stores light, so it's gonna they'll be glowing, which would be a little bit weird. And then you have a little bit of a sense, and maybe this is mouse field mouse talking with you, like. These would be ideal if you had someone who could make magic weapons, like to start creating plus one arrow tips or plus one darts or stuff with like these. Yeah, there, there's potential here. Great. Um, I'm gonna hack a small one off from the tree with my magical pruning shears. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And let's just see what happens. I'm gonna try snipping one off. Is there any impact after I kind of 
clip up, clip off one of the. Yeah. So are you, are you clipping off just the, the spine or are you cutting into the flesh of the cactus? I'm just going to try to trim off one of the spikes, one of the thorns. Yeah, no, the you flesh got I it. I don't know is useful or doesn't sound like the flesh is going to give us much, but it sounds like the spikes might. So does anything happen after I prune one off? You know, with the with the pruning shear, you're you're really accurate. You go, you snip it off, um, and you've got like a three inch long, glowing cactus spike. Cool. All right, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take like four more of those, just a little cluster. So I've got about well, we can even number. I'll take five more, so I'll have six of these little spikes that we can work with. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And do note that those are easily treated as plus one darts or arrow tips or whatever you would like to do with them. Sweet. Anyone else want one while I'm over there? I I yell out to their ball. Oh, sure. I'll take one. What is it? I explained <laughs> the plus one cactus spike that you can put on your arrow. Do you want one? Sure. Is this like a bonus action? Like you add the plus one? Or what does this work? Uh, so I'm, I would think you would be modifying your arrow tip. Like certainly you could just, well, you guys, we don't really have a, um, my goodness, I'm thinking alchemist, but that's not what I'm thinking. Um, oh, Andy, DJ, help me out here. Character class that enchants Artificer. items. Yeah, an artificer. There you go. Are yeah. uh, a smith in the party, but I'm I'm happy enough to say that the fighters in the party, and this would include Theraval, have enough proficiency. Like you could take off one arrowhead and fasten on one of these spikes to make your arrow a plus one. Or if there's other ways you. I mean, they're, they're cactus spikes, so I don't want to tell you you have to use them as arrowheads. I was thinking darts, arrowheads, but if there are other clever ways that you could use them, I'm, I'm fine with that. I am going to say, um, so I'm happy with Claren getting half a dozen right off the bat. Um, what I would ask is if you're going to start doing more, I'm going to make you roll for each cactus a D12 to see the number of spikes that you can harvest. Um, and part of it is, you know, using the pruning shears, cutting, harvesting it without like having to twist around or make yourself vulnerable or possibly stick yourself with a bunch of these because getting thrown onto the cactus would, would have a lot of damage that would go with it. Yes. Yeah. I will just stick with those, I think. I, I think, think that makes easy. sense. Yeah. Is she close enough to be able to um, tell if there's like additional uh, treasure of, of any sort outside of the cactus itself uh, while she's there? Or is it too harrowing and dangerous for her to check? Um, well, so she's, if Claren is there looking, the thing that's obviously potentially treasure inside there is like, in the middle of where all these things twine together is a um, is a nest, and if you and Mouse Field Mouse would each like to give me a perception check, I can tell you what you can see inside the nest. Sure. Uh, 
Yeah, mouse field mouse is short and rolls a six. The nest is way too high. She can't see. Yeah, it's not going to be great for me either. Uh, that's also a six. Yeah, um, like the nest in this one, if the ceiling's 40 feet high, the cactus goes up 30, this is like 25, 28 feet up. Like this harpy has a nest uh, almost at the top of the cactus and you just can't, you know, it looks like the bottom of a bird's nest. Bence would be happy to remind anyone who's interested that he can run up walls and he's got a 20 dexterity. So if we need him to run up there and perch in the nest uh, to see what can be found, uh, he'd be glad to perform that function. Awesome. Yeah, well, and this one being 28 feet up, running up a wall, it would actually be easy to get into the top as compared to if it was like, you know, 15 feet up and buried among all the, the intertwining cacti um, branches. Let's, unless, um, un Fence, unless you're running up there, like, right this instance, maybe we should go to Theravon. Oh, no, Fence is moving. <laughs> you got Crenshaw on on uh Hall Watch. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh he's um I mean I don't know if we're carefully taking turns, but he's ready to uh run up this wall. He can run his entire uh speed, which is of course uh significant at 55 uh feet around. Um so he'd be glad to run up and, and jump into the nest to see what could be found there. Awesome. Do me a favor, move his token to this square that's like next to the wall that's slightly north of the cactus rather than, because you're certainly not running up, even with uh, Fence's great dexterity. I don't think you're putting your feet like on the cacti to go up the, up the right. spike, but up the wall and then dropping down into the nest. Um, when you drop down into the nest, um, it shakes for a second. Um, let's see. I'm going to do this, push that to the, nope, we're still not seeing fence. You're like, like way in the back, to the back. There we go. Um, yeah, you jump down into the nest. Um, Actually, probably in the, the plant matter that makes up the nest, you sink about halfway up to um, in your to your calves. The other thing that you notice, like the smell is really putrid. Like these harpies have not learned how not to foul the nest. Um, so right. it is nasty in here. But what you're standing among, there are... Um, three pouches in there. And I assume you're reaching down to pick them up, but... Yes, Fence is going to reach down to pick up the three pouches. Uh, he's happy that he's uh, immune to poison since uh, 10th level, so uh, he breathes uh, deeply with uh, impunity. Uh, yeah. Anything else outside of the pouches? Uh, no, nothing else outside of the pouches. Um, so it's, even though you're immune to poison, it stinks, it's stinky yeah. up here. Um, and I'm going to just go ahead and tell you what's, what's inside of the three. So I'm, you're feeling, Great. so, um, one of them has, um, 10 rubies. Each of the rubies is worth 50 gold pieces. Great. 
One of them is a bag of silver pieces. Um, so 300 silver pieces, it's like full, like almost like two hands worth grabbing it. And then the other pouch has a bunch of acorns, like a dozen acorns in it. Yeah, I'm going to, um, uh, so, so Fence grabs these three pouches and does the exact same thing he did before, except backwards, and uh, runs back down to present them. I forget if we have a functional uh, bag of holding, but uh, Fence likes to travel light, and he's not interested in carrying around uh, 300 silver pieces. Um, and he hands uh, the acorns over to his uh, druid friends and says, maybe you can make something of this. Uh, but he'll gladly carry the, the rubies home uh, for when we divide up treasure, uh, assuming that we survive the evening. Do you, um, DJ, does Crenshaw have a functioning bag of holding? I don't think, yes, you do now. Up, oh, you're muted, you're muted. I was just remembering that I was muted. Um, Yes, Crenshaw does have a working bag of holding. It's where he pulled out his new whip and shield from. Oh, nice. So he's been waiting for this fighter level, let me tell you. <laughs> Thinking about it the whole time he was wandering around, Dan. Just got to get a little better. Come on, Claren. Come on, give me, give me my license. We didn't get to go through our uh, 80s movie training sequence, but we did do that. Where <laughs> right. Here's the challenges. It's like doing the Patrick Swayze thing in Roadhouse at dawn, just like standing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Except talking to himself. Or, well, talking to them. Not, he's never alone. There are definitely <laughs> other people who are real. They're definitely uh, there. So I just added to my inventory, uh, 10 rubies worth about 50 gold pieces each. Excellent. Yeah, good. Good for you. Um, before we go to Theravoods, and uh, DJ, will you add the 300 silver pieces to Crenshaw's list? And then, um, Janae, what do Mouse and Claren want to do with the... Um, Acorns. What? Oh, the acorns. Um, I'd like to roll a nature check on these acorns and see are they are they local? Are these are these just your run of the mill acorns or is there something? I I bet they're magical of some sort, but I forget uh, who in our uh, party, maybe Crenshaw, can uh, determine such a thing. I'm wondering if a nature check just helps me know whether they're magical or not magical for starters, and then maybe give Crenshaw look at them more closely if we've determined they're magical. Would that work? Oh god. Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I rolled a natural one, so I I don't know anything about these acorns apparently. All right, let's give let's give mouse field mouse. Oh, that is a a seventeen. And would you Whoa. remind me? Did I say six or ten acorns? I don't want to lie to you all. I think you said six. I you said six. 
definitely 10. Okay, I think I had said, I know like I said, cactus do what? That's right, six cactus thorns, 10 acorns. 10 acorns? Thank okay. you. I can't be trusted, apparently. <laughs> I did roll a one, though, in my defense, so I clearly wasn't paying very much attention at all. Yeah. Um, Mouse Field Mouse says these acorns are not from around here. She is certain of that. Um, if anywhere, they may be more like from the area from around Ward. Um, she also is fairly certain, 90, 95%, that they are magic of some sort. Cool. Let's right. Are they like the um, the teeth that Crenshaw Jones is eager to bite down upon? Um, are they uh, going to be helpful to us in this upcoming battle? That's the question. They better be. <laughs> I mean, otherwise it's just red herring treasure. Could it be like a pokeball or is it something you have to plant in dirt? Mouse implants one in her mouth. <laughs> or is it something that you throw like a grenade oh something or eat to heal or what if right. you just stuff them in your cheeks like a chipmunk because isn't that what acorns do, or like chipmunks like store acorns in their cheeks right. and then you could like yeah exactly out really fast yeah that's what I'm envisioning full Looney Tunes style <laughs> mouse field mouse touches, tosses one to fence and does fence catch it and eat it or dodge he, out of the way to see if it explodes he he catches one to take a close look ah. uh, and you know fence is particularly good uh at perceiving things he's he's less good at investigating things um, should he try to do either, or is this not a time for a check? Um, I guess I'm wondering if you all want to try, if anyone's injured, if you want to try chewing on one, although maybe before chewing on one, Mouse suggests, like, if it's going to explode, maybe you want to throw it against something and then if it doesn't explode then maybe try noshing down on it she doesn't think it looks really like like good berry uh i think we should throw it against the wall to see if it explodes and then if it doesn't some injured person should eat one that makes sense to me i like this uh, so fence, when you toss one against the wall, would you roll a d8? Yes, here comes my d8. Uh, fence rolled a seven. Um, okay, so if you had hit a creature there, it would have done seven hit points worth of damage. So the acorn goes, it explodes both shrapnel of acorn and you know, a little little burst uh, of magic. So you have 1d8 plus dexterity modifier, and now you have nine magic exploding acorns. Great. I guess it's good we didn't put those in our mouths first. Yeah. Um, 
I wonder uh, if the whole um, bag could be thrown uh, at once so that it's uh, instead of nine grenades, it's one small bomb. <laughs> or like lit on like the bag on fire like a molotov cocktail yeah uh so mouse is like uh, probably not lighting it on fire well although that would weaken like the bag um and burn the bag so maybe but yeah i i, I had not thought of it but um yeah you know i I bet you could put it in a bag and then like Eldritch blast it to deal force damage. Ooh, yeah. There, there's there and I guess probably, you know what? I'm gonna describe this bag. I hadn't thought of this before, but this one with the acorns, part of the reason Fence knew it was acorns right away is it's like one of those mesh bags, you know, like an onion bag where you can sort of see through. That to me suggests you could whip it around and throw the whole thing. So I don't know what I've just given you all here, but instead of a bunch of 1d8 little exploding acorns, which is what I thought I was giving you, I might have given you one big 9d8 explosive device. It might be like a free fireball, you know? That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, these gargoyles and harpies were not were not a pu not a pushover. Um you did a nice job and you found some nice treasure that might help you. Excellent. Um, Theraval, you are at the cactus along the south wall by yourself, or excuse me, with you and Aspen. Yep, we were going to look for the harpy's nest. However foul it is, I'm used to the animal kind of like dung, so I don't mind getting a little dirty with that or my mage hand. Yeah. Yeah, this is send the a one zookeeper. This, yeah, this one actually is much lower. In fact, it is only probably about seven feet off the ground, but it is in like the middle of the nest or the middle of the cactus. Um, so there are lots of arms reaching around it. Um, the other thing is like laying relatively close to it is the dead body of the harpy. So it's smelling not only from poo on the cactus and in the nest, but also from the body of Annie the Harpy. Um, yeah, and, are you looking for anything that's shining and glistening or feels vaguely magical? You know, is Annie yeah, the Harpy so, wearing any jewelry, for instance? Um, no, this Harpy is not wearing any jewelry. However, if you want to give me a DC 15 dexterity check Theraval. I will tell you what, like as you're reaching around and pawing in the nest that's seven feet up, what you find. If you roll less than that, I will tell you what happens. When you say dexterity check, are we talking about sleight of hand or is this a saving throw? I would say dexterity check. So that would be saving throw, not sleight oh, of hand. That, that's a 20. Ah, okay. Um, yes. Yeah. So you are reaching around. You pull out a necklace that is worth 800 gold pieces. Excellent. Do you want to have another go reaching around? Are you? Yeah, yeah. I want another go. Okay. So fence is available. I mean, I know it's fun to do these like. 15 DC dexterity checks with um with uh unpleasant results if you fail 
but fence can just like run right up there and hop gingerly into the nest and like get stuff. Oh, well, so in this case, no, you can't because oh, this can't. one, this one, no, no, this one is, so rather than being up at the top of the cactus, this one is only seven feet off the ground. And it's like these cactus, like normally, you know, see it growing with one arm, the right. head, the one arm, this has about six of those and they all curl around. And this one, the nest is like hooked in, you know, inside all those curvy things so it there's not a running up or down um there's a, a reaching in that has to happen i wonder if this is a job for a mage hand <laughs> i wonder the same thing like after i reached in there the first time can i like find traps or sense danger or am i that kind of like oblivious well, so, you can do you can do a fine trap. Sure, that might be a smart thing to do here, and to be aware of like what would happen if you failed your dexterity check. Okay, well, what is the skill check for fine traps? Is that like a slight? Um, that is slight hand. Okay. All right. So, what that is a twelve. Um. Yeah, you you're you reached in there and you've got a necklace out. There's no danger whatsoever. Okay, I'm gonna step back and use my mage hand. I'm gonna keep searching. I'm gonna keep searching. How about detect irony? Is that one of your skills? No, Theraval <laughs> definitely does not have that skill, 100%. Okay, just check her. Theraval's skill is oblivious. I have a minus one wisdom here. <laughs> yeah. No wonder you didn't become a cleric. <laughs> um, using casting mage hand and reaching in again, you find uh, another bag of rubies. This time there are eight rubies, also worth 50 gold pieces a piece. And I will tell you that you can reach in a third time with mage hand and find something. And then the fourth time, there's nothing else that you can get except bird poop and, and feathers out. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to keep reaching in until <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, and with with Mage Hand, you're you're okay. You you go in. Um, this last time, you pull out a a scroll, and it's a it's a small it's a small scroll. It's rolled really tightly, and it's sealed up with like two blue ribbons on it. And small scroll, I mean, four inches, you know, with wooden pegs, um, rollers that come out the end. And then, you know, it's just this little can, tiny scroll. Can, can I wave down Mouse Field Mouse and uh, offer her a, a gift? Um... Sure, she'll come over and and take that from you. It's a love poem, I think. 
Um, oh, it's so beautiful. She opens it up and she's like, no, I don't think it's a, a it's not a love poem. It's a it's a list of of names. Hello. Uh Claren, your name is on here. It's a hit list. Uh, well, that's good to know. What are the other names? Uh well there's so your name is down at the bottom. There are the other names you recognize. There's Annie Glassglow. Um, there are her three siblings. Um, so the, the your cousins, the Glasgow's. Um, there are basically it's the Antwerp clan, the Steel Cloven clan and the um, Glassglow clan. So the three sets that would have, that are all sort of royalty cousins. And it is the full um, list of 19 of you. It's like an org chart. Yeah, do I recognize the handwriting for the note? Um. It looks like um, it could have been one of the one of the royal scribes. I mean, you can't say like you know. That's Perry, my favorite scribe. Yeah, maybe it is Perry, your favorite scribe. Um, or a uh, or Brutus, who's was never a very good scribe, but he stayed employed somehow. Yeah, um, no, no, no. This this was Perry did a nice job writing these. You're right. fairly certain that it's 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 Perry. Um what's interesting is that 17 of them have like check marks or some sort of marks next to them. Um and when you as you're looking at it, the marks are um are almost like miniature drawings in some ways. Hmm. Like they're not just symbols, they're signs of something that's not a check mark. Yeah. Um so give me a, a a perception check here because yeah. I mean it's, it's really small I mean a magnifying glass you might be looking but you're looking in this weird bioluminescent light at these things and you're first you're like yeah it's a check mark and then you're like no there's 17 of these and they're all well I, yeah I've been rolling quite badly that's an eight um yeah, well, maybe what uh, DJ put in the chat might might be necessary in this case. With an eight, I'm not going to give you anything beyond it's, you know. Look how good the magnifying glass. So Crenshaw's on lookout. Crenshaw's just looking down this corridor. So we're not helping with the searching behind us. But if you bring it to our attention, Crenshaw has a magic magnifying glass. Great. We, we'll, we'll pocket it and bring it over to you. All right. Will you, will you will you move Claren yeah. over by Crenshaw just in case after this yeah. sort of action results? 
Check it out, Crenshaw. What do you see with the magic magnifying glass? Sure. Let's uh, take a look. Fascinating. No, shut up. You and sorry. Yes, fascinating. No. Crenshaw just having a conversation with Crenshaw is rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're used to it at this point. I mean, so it's very compelling yeah. dialogue. We uh, we need to roll because we roll, we're going to roll. Of, so we get advantage on investigation and it gives us true sight for very small things. Mm, so if there's okay. anything magical about this, we have true sight for that. And we will roll some dice. I, I wondered if you should have double advantage because of all the people inside Crenshaw that are examining this document. I think someone might notice something that someone else won't. Yeah, you know, it's like an academic listen. committee. And much like an academic committee, we might not get anything done. <laughs> so we roll a 24. Oh, holler. Oh, very nice. Um... Yeah, so you're looking at at these marks, and four of them are what you would think uh, like are small birds. One of them looks like a bull. Three of them look like large birds. Um. Nine of them look like lizards, like geckos, I guess. And one of them, and what was the role again? 24. Um, one of them looks like it's got three, it's like this body, I guess I'd call it a cat, but it looks like it's got three different heads coming off of it. Okay, so Crenshaw explains all this. And do, you then, go, do you want me to go over that again for folks, or are you good? No, go, go, DJ. Say, say what you're saying. Go ahead. Well, I I remember a bull, a three-headed cat creature, three small birds, three large. Four, four small birds, three large birds, and nine lizards. So Crenshaw asks, uh, so Crenshaw looks at, uh, looks at Claren and say, explains what's here. This is, there's these little symbols next to it. And do you know anything about this? He says, to the mummy, but looking at Clarence, do you know anything uh, about this? Oh, uh, not off the top of my head. This is all very cryptic and strange, uh, unsettling. I've never seen some of these animals before. I've spent a lot of time hiding in the woods. Um, and then he says, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking to you. Shh. Do you know anything about this? Still looking right at you. 
There's no more. That's exactly what I thought. And Crenshaw says, I think, we think, that she somehow cursed the whole line of succession and turned them into monsters. Oh. I don't know if that's what the mummy actually said, but that's what Crenshaw's going with. That's a very compelling theory, Crenshaw. And would be very much in line with the kind of tactics Scarlet would use. They're not dead. So there's no bodies. There's no trail. There's just monsters. That is exactly what we would do. That is brilliant. And we really must never do that he says to just to the right of Claren <laughs> the, the mummy says that is Antwerp she didn't even bother to put a mark next to my name <sighs> didn't even bother to put a mark next to your name which names don't have marks? Stop me when I get to you. <laughs> so Crenshaw goes down the list. Oh, oh, so yeah, down at the bottom, there are two names, uh -huh. Atticus Antwerp and Clarence Steel Cloven, and neither one of them have marks. And everyone else has one of these funky, and it's we. I mean, it's the it's good that you're looking with the magnifying glass because at first it does look like you know almost just a check mark or something, and then it's like oh, but then when you, especially when you magnify it, some scribe like used a magnifying glass and a like a one threaded brush to pay. so they're actually amazingly like intricate in terms of what what they are i am so glad that this item that we got in the very first dungeon <laughs> has been key in the very last dungeon this that is perfect it's, that is mirroring um so I like it, and I would love to say that it was fully planned out and not completely accidental or brilliant character uh, development. But yeah, it's nice, isn't it? That is. That's why I love D and D. So just Crenshaw. like the uh, the the magic uh, uh, clipping shears that mm -hmm. we've been carrying around for all exactly. these months. So Crenshaw time. says, "You're Atticus," directly at Claire. You're Atticus. My gosh. Last time I saw you, Cousin Atticus, you looked a little different. The mummy was Atticus. Claren, I'm so sorry. Oh, I had no idea. How could we have possibly known? Oh, this just... should, should we try and incapacitate them? If we see the harpies and maybe not kill them? I think that may be the better solution so we don't kill off my entire family by accident. 
we'll have to trap them instead and see if we can reverse these curses once Scarlet's been defeated. Can I make a uh, an Arcana check to see what the the little the three headed cat creature might be? Um, sure, of course. I mean, do you want to? Yeah, you yeah yeah. Do an Arcana check, see what you can think about that, and then we can talk about lizards, large birds, bull, and small birds. Although you, I think you're. You seem pretty aware of what the four small birds were, especially like since four. one of them corresponds with uh, Annie Glasgow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow, we're just killing off our the family. Yeah. Oh, it's bleak. Um. Okay. Let me. I let love me being a DM. It's so much fun. That. That is an eight. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a three-headed cat. Meow. All right, so... Hmm. We just know these are the monsters to look out for and to, you know, if we can, not kill them. Although I'm sure we can sense that some of their consciousness... It's hard to tell with these monsters how much the family is still inside of them or how much they've been completely transformed. Yeah. And at what point they regain their consciousness, right? Because if Atticus was really Atticus, he wouldn't have tried to have attacked us, but his monster impulses took over. The mummy, mummy rot is different. I would need to look this up, that mummy rot is... Uh, if you die, you turn. You just turn into a mummy. I feel like that's mm-hmm. different than a harpy's curse. How do you make a harpy? Or whatever the other bird people are. This is and very Crenshaw turns magic. around and says, hey, does anybody know how to make a harpy? <laughs> <laughs> Mousefield Mouse is like, why would you want to? Not for me, asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty nasty and stinky. Um. Okay, so we don't know how to make a harpy. But I bet it's a curse of some kind. And... Great. Uh, anything coming down the hallway? Um, only Masaki coming to to join the two of you looking down the hallway. And I think at the moment we're at Theraval going to the last cactus. Um, although there is one other one in the other hallway. Um, this one, Theraval, has the um, fence will be overjoyed. The nest is at the 27th foot, so it's way up on the top again. Could be easily a fence running up a wall and dropping into it. Excellent. Yeah. We'll wait fence for knows how to do that really well. Awesome. So if you move the token over there to the one in the southeast, you can run up and drop into it. All right. He's and, over here against the wall. Yeah. And, and I hate this to be, orange a- part is the fence. Yeah. Or excuse yep. me, is the nest. 
Yeah. Um, so I hate to be um, sort of anticlimactic here, but dropping into this one, there is a um, a box in the nest. And by a box, I mean, it's probably, I don't know, 18 inches by, by two feet by, you know, so sort of a treasure chest. And it, it does have a latch that closes, but is not locked. That doesn't seem so anticlimactic, or at least not yet. Uh, yeah. Is is Spence able to um, lift it and to run it down to where his friends are? Yeah, absolutely. So move yourself back to being by Theraval there. All right. Um, Here, I'll move. There, there go. we go. Teamwork. Yeah. Uh, and I said, uh, here's a chest. If only we had a rogue. Oh, and Theraval oh. says, oh, perfect, and opens it. <laughs> I do that. Even Fence can do a sleight of hand. I said, wait, don't you still have your little invisible friend? How about Mage Hand? Could yeah, give us yeah. a hand. I'll, I'll Mage Hand it open. All right. Uh, yeah, so Theraval at first, I, I, you know what, Theraval just opens it because what the heck, um, it is not trapped. There are 500 gold pieces in it. Yay. Excellent. Uh, let's put that in the bag of holding. What do we say? Gotcha. All right. Um, I think that is all the treasure in this room. Um are you all heading on towards the next room? Or are you looking at the one cactus that is by itself a little bit? Um, are there any things given what you've discovered about the nature of at least some of the monsters? You know, like what's happening next? And we are getting close-ish to wrapping, but we may, we may, we should certainly finish this room up and maybe even go a little bit further. We should share um, that note about, uh, hey, let's try to incapacitate when we can and not kill these particular monsters. Right. Uh, Fence is an expert at um, stunning creatures. Uh, and so if we want to get him into a situation where he can stun... Um, and then maybe we could use uh, blunt weapons to use uh, non-lethal, inflict non-lethal damage onto future creatures. In my daughter Geneva's campaigns, uh, she's so young and PC that all damage is non-lethal. They just knock everyone out so they can pop back up later. Uh, that is certainly yeah. not the way we, we roll. <laughs> We're Absolutely not. A, it's a much darker world. <laughs> um, Fence is curious to know what's in the final cactus, but uh, he also wants to move along. Uh, I say we move along and maybe um, check out the final cactus on the way back, if there is a way back. 
Yeah, I'm fine to give you the the treasure from the last cactus if you want it. And I'll just do that really quickly with less exploration. So right. the last one um, also has another pouch of 10 rubies. All right. Fence is going to um, grab that so that he can just change his uh, 10 rubies to 20. And there is also, um, like, all around the nest, there are copper pieces stuck all around it. Um, all, this is like a real harpy thing or, like, embedded in the harpy poop that's all around. And it's Gross. like the whole nest is covered in copper pieces. I'm not interested in that, says Fence. <laughs> <laughs> nope there's only rubies up here he says right uh exactly we're not um, that desperate for treasure you know it's you've got to draw a line somewhere yeah we're doing pretty well now i think uh it's time for marching order moving uh forward and uh fence is ready to take the lead i'll come behind you And I was, just, yep, I was just about to reveal things, and instead I navigated away from the page. So let's try this again. There you go. There is a room. Um, so you come into this room, there are two columns that go, well, four columns that go floor to ceiling. Two of them are really big. The eastern one has a dead harpy with fairy fire around it next to it. Um, there are two pools of water in the northern part of the room, um, here and here, and then in the up against the northern wall, there are places like drains where the water is like gurgling out and going um, going down. There is an exit to the room, what appears to be another hallway to the west. And in the south, there are two small alcoves and one large alcove with a pedestal on it, very much like the ones where the gargoyles were resting but you do not see anything on it and then um uh these corresponding uh i don't know they almost look like staircases in the uh southeast and the southwest portion of this room do those just go up to platforms or are they not staircases um, yeah, they go up, they are staircases, they go up 10 feet, and then that alcove in the southwest, and that alcove on the southeast, they're just empty alcoves, but the the height is, you know, 10 feet above where the floor is in, right. the, um, in that room. Uh, Fence walks into uh, the room past the dead harpy and uh, listens very carefully to see if uh, there's anything else to be heard in this room before we perhaps move to the Western door, if that's what we want to do. Um, 
Yeah, and I think it might be less listening and more even looking because when you look to the north, you see not a wall, but a hallway that opens up into a room where you have been before. Um, where there was a minotaur in a room with a, a moat that wrapped around it. Right. And so that's say that. Oh, and there also should be, actually, I neglected to tell you something. When you look down um, in this room towards the, um, where there would be a pedestal here, there is something on that pedestal. There is a severed head resting on that pedestal. Is it a familiar head uh, from what uh, the gargoyle was uh, playing with earlier? Um, no, it is a head that is familiar. It's one of the guards from when you first came in. Ooh. Right. Um, but didn't the gargoyle uh, behead a guard for fun, or is this uh, a, a different head? Speaking of the dark campaign we find ourselves in, is this a different mm -hmm. severed head from the one that uh, we saw severed by the severed by the gargoyle previously? Do you mean the gargoyle or the minotaur? Sorry, the minotaur. Yes, it it is the head that was severed by the minotaur. Okay, sorry. As yeah, I misspoke. Okay. If it was severed from the from the body, do we see any blood trails from the that uh, there there are drips of blood all through um the middle of this hallway and it's like a drip here, a drip here, a drip here, running from the middle of the south all the way up towards the north where it would exit. And like, yeah, like just little splatters. Mm -hmm. If we don't want to spend some time fighting a minotaur, I recommend that we attempt to stealthily walk across this room to the door to the west. I agree with that. I don't really want to spend time fighting unnecessarily at this point. If we can um, it. Yeah, so give me a um, a stealth check for everyone. And I'm sort of imagining you all like lining up behind this column here and then booking it over to the column in the West. Like, you know, you're each trying to go as quickly <laughs> as possible, like one at a time, one person running and then the next. Um, Fence, do you want to give me a... Yeah, Fence rolled a 24. Um, okay, yeah, move move yourself over towards that other towards that other tunnel and tell me who is going next and I'll actually I think Theraval just rolled a 30, which is I rolled a good. 30. Oh my god. Yeah, go ahead and move yourself. I got a 15. That... Um Claren, you are partway across, like to there. And you hear from up in the north, 
you hear a oh man uh, I wonder um Crenshaw you... was speaking to this minotaur earlier uh I don't know if I would say they have uh, formed a relationship, but he might at least try to tell the Minotaur that uh, if he leaves us alone, we won't kill him, if it comes to that. Yeah, and I would say like at the moment, so Claren, I, Janae, you got like right up to the post, you heard that, Claren, it doesn't seem like stop, so you're able to get like over here, but you did hear that, like from from the north and there was a moment like you paused you looked you saw the minotaur where he is up there a hundred or so i mean i guess it's there there's light in that room so you could see where he was sort of standing there um holding this great big sword and mooing at you bellowing at you um but then you scooched behind so a 15 wasn't enough to evoke an attack from him but he did did bellow at you and right. crenshaw mouse and masaki you now know that there is a at least the minotaur gaze that would be looking down this direction I don't know if you all want to wait or if you want Crenshaw to engage in dialogue with our friendly Minotaur. Crenshaw's going to go last and Crenshaw is going to um, encourage uh, Mouse and Masaki to go like, yeah, behind the pillar and then to go just as quick as they can across that. And if the Minotaur comes out, Crenshaw is going to move to here. Okay, so you're ready in an action, and yeah. Mouse and Masaki are both gonna they're they're gonna go at once. They're like it knows we're here. We're running together. Maybe I can kill both NPCs at once. Um, Mouse Field Mouse makes it across, no problem. Masaki is about here when she is attacked and hit oh, no. for only two points of damage by a severed arm. What a weapon of choice. Yeah. Um, that is Crenshaw, his right. You, you came, yeah, you, you came out? Yep. Okay. Um, I don't think, so you're not visible where you are there to the Minotaur. Like if you look up and see where he is on that pedestal to the room to the north mm -hmm. or that central area where he is now chopping and then missiling um, members of the dismembered guard at people who run through, he's got only a 10 foot, you know, thin window where he can actually see people where they're running. So it's just in that central. So you've moved out you can figure out what the heck he's doing. Like, I mean, he's basically okay. chopped up. But, right. So this would not be a Geneva-approved campaign at all. Right. By any sure. means. He, yes, dismember the body and four, four, four. Like, he can't. I, yeah. Um, he's well. not coming through for whatever reason, but he is... 
throwing, you know, yeah, he's yeah, 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 exercising his right to bear arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's golf, you know. You, you get moving targets. You you you, you Which, shoot at them. Why not? If it, if it's golf, would that make them forearms? <laughs> that was it was a full forearm blow nice all right uh, then crenshaw is going to leg it um actually crenshaw is going to go to here uh -huh. past uh uh minor image so that it looks like there's a crate here uh-huh move behind the crate Cast minor image and immediately move behind that crate and then go to here. Okay. Um, as you're crossing, you know, a crate is as it's as good to shoot at a crate, crate as a person. Um, oh, um, so I was. I gave him disadvantage but i rolled a, but it's a nine and an at 20 um okay. he, you create the the crate mm -hmm. and like a hand comes sailing it sort of misses overhead when you move to the second crate the first crate is hit by like a foot and it like would be a kick would have been you know like to the the minotaur it looks like that crate was just smashed all apart and if crenshaw had been behind crate number one that would have been would have been a kick in the ass uh-huh crenshaw needs one um all right well crenshaw is just gonna like you know pedal past that crate and get yeah. to over to here Excellent. out of sight you all are here. Um, I will have you go down the Western hallway and I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, what you hear here. So, and what you see. So you get to the end of the Western hallway. There is a stairwell that goes up um, to the North um, that goes up like 90 feet, comes to a platform, turns and then comes back to the south going up another 90 feet then turns and goes up to the north another night so it's a three level um diagonal staircase 90 feet each time going up so you're ultimately going to line up on a level that is 180 feet above sorry uh 240 feet above the level where you are now and Am I doing that right? No, 270, there we go, feet above the level of where you are now. Um, you also hear bird noises, um, both the harpies sort of screeching at each other, but also larger, deeper bird noises. Um, as well, but you're way far, you know, you're 270 feet of steps away from whatever sort of aviary is up there. I don't know if you all want to go up the steps and see the next room or if you want to wait and plan down here. I sort of 
almost want to show you the next map. And then next time we will start right there. So I'm imagining you going up the steps um, carefully, cautiously. Part of this is Carl just like, oh, let me show you the next room that you're going into. But I, you can tell me like, we're approaching this cautious, you know what I mean? Like, you'll tell me how you will approach it with a little bit more care, but I want to at least give you the map because it'll be a sort of fun way to end this. Um, oh, I need to move the players over to the map. That'll help. And is this entirely black to you all? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, let me do a... Polygon review. Feel. You do have dark vision. Not going to give you the whole room yet, even with dark vision. But I will give you a chunk of it. So those three creatures, those are not us. No, those three creatures are not you. And there is definitely bird noise from around here. Um, this is a pit that seems to go down forever and ever with a 15-foot wide bridge that seems to be stretching over it and into the darkness that is beyond it. There are three lizard creatures um, on the, the bridge going across from it. And you definitely hear further to the south, the noises of the three harpies sort of screeching, but you also hear larger bird noises like echoing around this room. So we will start next time with a bridge over a great big pit, three lizard folk, a couple of big birds who you can't see here, and three panicked harpies um, in a room. Oh my gosh. All right. Interesting. Here we go. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Thank you for playing. Outstanding. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we did a little bit of searching for treasure, found some pretty cool items there, and discovered the little tidbit about what had happened to um, Claren's cousins um so yeah scarlet is um indeed devious and if we didn't have enough reason to want um vengeance and the overthrow of scarlet before it certainly has arrived now for for our adventurers well 
They are going up some long staircases and we turn in next week when you get to hear about um, what happens at the top of the staircase. I'll give you the, the episode title just to give you a sense of, of where things are going. It is called Battle of the Bridge. So bet we have some combat. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, this is Carl again, and this was a House Rules Collaborative Gaming Group podcast. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs>